Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Really looking forward to getting into this one and talking about games or apps that you can start winning or earning sats through lightning. Jack Everett from Thunder Games goes down the rabbit hole and tells us exactly what he's up to and how you can start interacting with these games and earning yourself some sats. So looking forward to this kind of little subculture vibe that's going on here. Before we get into the show, and I know you guys are going to think, uh-oh, here comes the shills. Um, yeah, but like, come on, give me a break. I'm not shilling sunglasses, pants, or mattresses. So these are Bitcoin-only companies, guys, and they support the show, and they've helped me grow. So I'd like to give a big shout-out to Coinfloor, or Cornfloor, wherever you want to go. Coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten, UK Bitcoin-only exchange. Swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the US they have you covered you can start DCAing dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin out of US dollars relay r-e-l-a-i dot ch forward slash bitten they have you covered in Switzerland and across Europe you can fiat cost average out of your fiat and then you got to take control of the Bitcoin you got to get it on a hardware wallet Use one that is Bitcoin only, and that is Bitbox02 from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Use that, you get a 5% discount. It's important, guys. I want to make this completely clear. The DCA service is a shill. They want you to take control of your own coins. That's the next step if you're not there yet. Let's get into this episode with Jack. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are good to go. We are live. We are with Jack Everett from Thunder Games. Jack, great to see you, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. We've got Lauren and Samuel here today to ask you some questions about the games. Uh, Lauren, do you want to go first? Yeah, I could go first. Okay. Um, so my question is, uh, yeah, why did you decide to create the game? Well, in general, just because um, I want to uh, get people using Bitcoin. So one of the funnest ways to do that is with games, isn't it? To learn how to use Bitcoin. And um, it gives a way for people to help their friends learn about Bitcoin as well. So you can say to your friend who doesn't know how to buy, uh, use Bitcoin, play this game and it, you'll eventually uh, you'll learn how to use it. Learn the basics anyway. So that's why I wanted to make the games the way I've done them. That's a good excuse to get the phone, to get a phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've shown him some of the games. So, uh, and well, I like it, so I'm going to start Actually, uh, now Samuel's going to come in because do, do you remember the name of the game you've been playing today? I don't think so. Turbo 84? Yeah. Turbo yeah. 84. And... Explain to the listeners what you were doing on that game. 
well, of course I was playing it. Mm-hmm. And I went 45 miles per hour. And uh, yeah, 45. I don't think it's that far. That fast, right? Yeah. And what, um, but what were you doing on the game? What does the game do? How do you play it? What's the, what's the gameplay? What are you doing? Uh, you're trying to wait. I don't know. Can I explain? Yeah. Can I explain? Okay. Okay. So, what you basically have to do is you have a car and you have to go fast, but there's like little obstacles what you have to um, avoid. Otherwise, you'll crash and lose. And then there's these other stuff. I don't know what they are, but like you collect them on the way. <laughs> Jack's laughing. Okay, Jack, can you fill in the blanks? Yeah, so you've got the, yeah, the gameplay is correct. And then um, on the road, there's these purple tickets and tokens. And if the more tickets you collect on your, on your drive, the more chance you've got of winning Bitcoin. And every day the game has a prize draw to win some Bitcoin. So the more tickets you collect, the more chance you've got to win at the end of the day. So the more you play the more Bitcoin you can potentially win because you've got a greater chance. <laughs> what do you think to say? So on the game, I noticed that there was a garage where we can upgrade the vehicle. Um, yeah. And I noticed there was the spin and I lost on it. Oh. <laughs> which is yes. really sad. Yeah, so the garage is, uh, when you're playing the game, there's these tokens on the road and you collect those and that will... Um, give you some sort of currency to spend in the garage to buy new cars and upgrade your engine to make it go faster. And yes, there's a, a spinner, a daily um, prize. So you can spin the kind of spinner wheel thing and uh, win some Bitcoin or tokens or lose like you did, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> did you like the game? Yes. All right. And you want to play it again? Maybe. And how fast do you, th- how, how fast do you think Jack can can take his car? Maybe over one hundred miles per hour. Okay, you've well, you've had a guess. What well, do you think, Lauren? He created the game, so he'll know it off by heart. So, like maybe in like the hundreds. Hmm. And this is something Jack does. I, I think on the weekends, you you invite people into to watch you play and see how fast you can get. And the person that is closest to that uh, wins some Bitcoin. Is that right? Yeah. So at the weekend, we do um, a prize draw with all the, uh, not prize draw, uh, a competition with um, Turbo 84. And basically you have to, I play as well. And I tweet, I go on a live stream on Twitch. And if you can beat me, you, you've got a chance to get a better prize than if you lose to me. So everyone who beats me can potentially win a thousand Satoshis each. And everyone who loses to me has a chance to win 100 Satoshis. And we did it last weekend. And my top score was 324 miles an hour. And the, the fastest person who played was um, 900 and let me check. Yeah, I think it's 930 odd miles per hour. So, yeah, they beat me by quite a lot. <laughs> That's crazy. I have no chances of whoever knew, whoever knew Bitcoiners play like game. But a lot of Bitcoiners play games. There's a lot of uh, video gamers in the in the community, online games and 
Really? Yeah. You never showed me those. I don't. I'm not a gamer, so I don't know the games. But I'm well, Jack, let's gamer. look. Let's ask Jack. Jack's the gamer in the room. Don't ask me. Mm. Not the only one. Yeah, I know you're a gamer, but like you, you know, you, you play Roblox. Roblox, right? I'm sometimes Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. That, that, mm. Which of you and Jack, not each other? <laughs> <laughs> ask Jack. Oh, you know, go ahead. Ask him about gamers and uh, Bitcoin. Um, I don't know anything about gamers. You don't know anything. <laughs> Samuel knows. Okay, uh, Jack. Are there a lot of gamers in the Bitcoin space? Yeah, there are. Because Bitcoin, people who like Bitcoin um, like games. And people who like Bitcoin are obviously of all different age groups as well. So they like all kinds of different games. Um, there's some Bitcoiners who like playing chess. <laughs> and the very first Bitcoin game was actually a, a chess chess game where you could basically bet against each other who was going to win chess. That's one of the first Bitcoin lightning games. Um, and a lot of Bitcoiners like shooting games, you know, first-person shooter games. So there's, um, I don't know if you're aware of Light Nights, that's similar to Fortnite, and um, a game called Bitcoin Bounty Hunt. And there's another company called Zebedee who make a game, um, an add-on to a game. So there's an old fashioned game called CSGO, which was played by a lot of people about 20 years ago, or 10 to 20 years ago. And Zebedee have uh, added Bitcoin to that game. So a lot of the popular games are like shooting games, quite violent. So maybe Bitcoin is like violent games. <laughs> well, you, Samuel, you play a Bitcoin game in Roblox then? Yeah, there's a yeah, Bitcoin tycoons. Oh, okay. How does that work? Well, basically, you get like Bitcoin miner droppers, which is where like you get the, which drops the cash, and then each time it goes into like to the machine, it will give you cash, and then you can buy it on other miners. Because at cool. first, there's a there's a miner that costs full that costs zero. And when you get that, that will give you cash. And there was a, a car in the game, wasn't there? Yes, you, but it never worked. You showed me the car. Do you remember what the car was? A Ferrari. A Ferrari. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the other one beginning with L. Lamborghini. Yeah, what colour was it? Orange. Orange. Yeah. <laughs> <An> orange. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah, even kids of this age are getting exposed to orange Lambos and Bitcoin mining machines. I think there was like... Yeah. There's also a Bitcoin simulator. There's, there's a, also right? there's on also Roblox. A, yeah. yeah. There's also a Bitcoin hobby. No, not sure about that. Though. I think there is. Okay. Right. Well, any more questions for Jack, or are you guys going to head uh, off? I think, I think that's done. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, say thank you for you know creating <laughs> the game. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Nice to speak well, to you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Jack. Thanks for creating addictive Bye. games to hold my daddy over the barrel and make him buy Bye. me a phone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Very good. So, what? Um, be before we move on and do the rabbit hole stuff and and everything else, you you've got other games that uh, the listeners might be interested in in hearing about. Do you, do you want to just uh, describe uh, exactly what else there is available? 
Yep. So the the two main games at the moment is Turbo eighty four and Bitcoin Bounce. Uh, Bitcoin Bounce was the first Bitcoin Lightning game I created um, for the Lightning Network conference in twenty nineteen as a um, way to break the ice with other developers, and that came out in January. Um, so that's kind of like been out for quite a while now, but that's probably the most played one. And that's simply you have a blockchain and a character. You can pick any character you want. And the most popular one, obviously, is the Bitcoin character. And you have to bounce the character along the blockchain as far as you can. And there's different obstacles that you have to avoid. And the aim of the game is just to get as far, complete as many blocks as you can. And like we discussed earlier, Turbo 84 is uh, kind of a lane changing racing game where you just have to try and drive your car as fast as you can, but not crash. So similar concept, but different theme and controls. And the, the reason we were put in contact, uh, big shout out to Scott, Scott Sibley, who is the creator of um, Play Shamery, at Play Shamery, which a lot of the listeners know I'm a big supporter of. I have my own game and we play it with the kids and I give out free codes and stuff. How did you guys originally like meet and hook up? Is is there something in the works that you might be able to put Shamari on some kind of app with with Scott's cool little characters? Or am I, uh, am yeah, I no. revealing too much? <laughs> no. So um, basically, uh, in Thunder Games, I've got the monetization for the project is through advertisements. So the game shows advertisements to players and then I give a certain proportion of that back as the prize money in the games, uh, Bitcoin prize money. And um, But because I've got quite a lot of advertisements in the game, I thought I would just give away some for free to cool Bitcoin projects. And to be honest, I can't remember exactly how we got in touch, whether someone connected us, but it was via Twitter. Perhaps someone tagged him, um, the product, in one of my tweets because I promote that, you know, I was tweeting saying, I give away free ads if anyone wants some to promote your Bitcoin project. So I'd been, um, yeah, giving him occasional free ads to promote the card games. And then, um, yeah, he started giving me some games to give away during my live streams. So because uh, I do it once a week, I sort of rotate different prizes. So every kind of three weeks, we give away some um, Sharmory card games. Um, but yeah, that's funny. You should mention the... Uh, potential digital version of that game. Well, I haven't actually approached him, but that would be pretty cool. And I was um, on a stream the other day and someone did say about like they should have a digital version of that game. Yeah, for sure. And he's got the, the, the characters, uh, you know, they're great little characters. They're very kid-friendly. Yeah. And um, he's, he's thought the whole thing through so well. Uh, I've got to know Scott pretty well um, because we cross over in the alternative education space as well as the Bitcoin space. Yeah. So it's, it's always great to see when he's tweeting about how well Chamory is going and, and hopefully getting more and more of these games into other Bitcoiners' hands that can go out and spread the message because it's such a great way to orange pill people. Yeah, especially the kind of games that he's creating because they are aimed at teaching people about Bitcoin as well, as well as being a cool game, which is a really hard th a like kind of venn diagram to hit the middle of um so yeah i do like his game that's uh those are the coolest projects where not I, like i guess my project's slightly different because it's not doesn't teach anyone about bitcoin apart from using it so you kind of get thrown in the deep end in my game because if you win some bitcoin there's not really you just got to figure out how to cash it out but hopefully you're incentivized enough to work out how to you know download the wallet and 
cash out your Bitcoin. And then a lot of people in my games, when they've cashed their Bitcoin out, they're just playing my games, cashing Bitcoin out every day. And then um, like they don't actually learn about Bitcoin properly for like months later when they suddenly have to learn how to create an invoice in their Lightning wallet or something for, for some other reason. All they've been doing is just cashing out like stacking sats and literally not done anything else yet. So it's quite a... Um, uh, interesting phenomenon to see people using Bitcoin, but they don't really know like what they're doing. <laughs> they're just using it for months and then suddenly they're like, okay, now I need to really learn this. That's probably a good journey to delve into. Let, let's say today Samuel Hood won on that spinny wheel because uh, it was on my phone. Um, yeah. I still managed to stave them off phones for now. Um, they'll get them. <laughs> they'll get them eventually, but at 10. Well, they've got their own laptops so they, and they're you know they homeschool so we know where they are all the time there's no need for phones so that's right but let's say he had spun that wheel today he had won himself a thousand sats and he come up to me and said daddy what do i where how am i going to take control of these sats what's the kind of journey that somebody would have to go through to to get them out of the game and into a wallet so in the game there is a button that says claim sats so when you tap that game the game sort of checks your phone for an, a compatible bitcoin lightning wallet um, and if it finds one it will on android it will give you the options of all the wallets you can open and on ios it picks the last one that you had installed because that's just how ios works it doesn't let you for privacy reasons know all the bitcoin wallets i guess um, or any other apps on your phone um, you only know the last one that will work and so once um, you pick your wallet, it opens the wallet up and then the particular wallet will say, do you want to cash out claim or whatever language they use these thousand sats and you click okay. And then it will, that wallet company server connects to my server and it transfers the sats in the sort of background. And then it's just done. Like it's just cashed out. So there's not many steps really. The only hardest step is if you haven't got a Bitcoin wallet, um, when you click the claim button, it will say you need to download a Bitcoin wallet and recommend one. So the hardest step is downloading a wallet in the whole sequence. Right. If okay. Yeah. If you don't have one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're on Android, then it'll probably just like point you, well, it'll give you a list of the different ones that you can use. And for example, if they point you towards like blue wallet, lightning wallet, mm -hmm. then so be it. It's a couple of clicks. You wait for the install and then you yep. can move the sats from there. Mate, this is seamless. Yeah, it is. It's only literally like a couple of, um, you know, clicks away and you can, you don't have to really do anything either. Like, because um, there's not really any instructions required. There's not like any, like most wallets don't need sign up really. Um, and the sign up processes on them is quite simple if they do require them. So it's, yeah, it's, it is really simple and it is getting simpler as well because, there's technology, like software technology, um, coming out where these payments can be done automatically. So uh, the you, you set up the first withdrawal from the game or service that can give you sats. And then subsequent ones, once they've made the connection, you can keep withdrawing without having to actually even tap on the button. So it'd be pretty, that'd be pretty cool um, for, you, for user experience. Right, mate. Very, very, very cool stuff. And I'm sure they're going to be playing it um, many, many more times now because it's one of those games that is perfect for kids like, to try and beat their last score. You've got that instant um, 
reward kind of gratification thing going by collecting the tokens. Uh, so, but at the end of it, th- there's a real prize. There's sats. Yeah. Uh, and that's very, very cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good to um, give back because uh, the business model of most mobile games is to show ads, which is kind of like not great because no one wants to look at ads. But at least now we can give some sats as like compensation, uh, like for you, you having to, you know, inst- like wait for an ad to finish. Um, so it kind of, I think that's, I think it kind of adds to improves the experience a little bit to give people some kind of cash back for watching ads and playing games. Is this you full time now, like game development and uh, trying to grow the like the Bitcoin education alongside these apps and obviously teaching people about lightning network as well yeah so it's pretty yeah full it's full time um from i was I was probably like half and half last year but it's been full time pretty much pretty much full time for 12 months i would say in total for the last 12 months um and yeah i've been working on basically um the games uh, the Bitcoin kind of payment systems. And uh, I have other projects where like sat stacking projects that I'm going to bring, bring in out, which are not necessarily um, games, but they're, you know, ways to earn sats basically. Cause that's the hottest thing at the moment is like people want to just get some sats for free to try it on people kind of addicted to getting sats and collecting them and getting as many as they can. So that's the kind of uh, sort of projects and apps I'm working on. And that's all full time, yeah. I'm I've got full time until hopefully I'll be able to make enough money to uh, like actually have a decent wage from it. But at the moment, it's still kind of niche and uh, hard to get the word out. Yeah, and you're giving some away, right? That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> One day that might come back to haunt you. Well, yeah. it already is, really. Yeah. I was going to say, how do you feel about that? <laughs> like, yeah, if we play this thing out, twenty thirty rolls around, and you know, Bitcoin's blown through a million. And you can you're gonna have a list of all the sats that you've given out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be really funny and cool. Like it'd be just to be like, oh, I remember I was giving away a hundred dollars per person and or something, you know, or something like that will end up being. I think that'd be really funny. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with it because um, one of my motivations was because uh, I've been doing like involved in Bitcoin on some level since about 2013, not really publicly, but just you know learning and following and. Um, I always felt like I had nothing to offer. So the, the gaming thing was a way for me to be like, oh, we need the adoption of this. Um, this is something I can actually affect changing because I've got experience in apps and games and uh, monetizing and businesses related to those projects. So like maybe I can find a way to make money from this and also increase you know, pe- adoption and give it a real a reason for people to use it. <laughs> Right. So you said just a second ago, 50-50, you were, so you've been full-time on this for about 12 months, but before that 50-50. So there was a 50% fiat job involved with, with your what, life. What, what was that? Yeah. So, well, basically I went full, like I've got um, another games company, which is a non-Bitcoin games company, which I've been running since 2010, which was just like apps. So mobile games and mobile apps. And I've always been working on that. And then um, I decided to pivot to Bitcoin games. So I started a new company, Thunder Games, because I just felt 
Number one, I wanted my banks to be separate in case my bank got closed. I didn't want it to cause problems to my other project. And um, number two, I felt like it just needed a whole new brand, like a proper something that's just all in on Bitcoin brand, not half, half in. Um, so I started doing that. Uh, I literally, as soon as I got back from the Lightning Network conference, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to start this business right now. So I literally incorporated the day after I got back. Um, and I did that for six months. And then one of my old school friends had a kind of emergency with his startup and he needed a, an app built for a mortgage comparison app. So he called me and like said, can I help? So I ended up, I was, that was only supposed to be two months, but that started, turned into six. <laughs> so that was where the half, so from like July to maybe November, <laughs> I was like doing this mortgage comparison app. But so I've done the games, so I do employ one person and he was still working on Thunder Games at the time. So we were still working on Thunder Games, even though my focus wasn't, I was doing development for this other project. And then since November, I've been back full-time on Thunder Games, done a rebrand and um, just trying to, it's very difficult to, uh, this is a, probably one of the most difficult Bitcoin projects I think I could have picked, <laughs> apart <laughs> from trading, which is 10 times harder. <laughs> yeah. And that's no game either. No. That's, no. that's hell. Yeah. Um, so what, what were you doing like before 2010, before you, before you realized this is what I want to do. I want to build apps. I want to start gaming companies because we're not taught that at school. We're not taught how to do anything remotely like that. So yeah. how on earth did you, did you get to that point in life and say, right, I'm going to start an entrepreneurial business. Was this your first um, shot at um, kind of, I, I don't know your age. I'm not going to guess. Yeah. It, but was, okay. <laughs> was that your first kind of shot at um, a career or was there something that had come before that? Yeah. So I did computer science at university and did that to the master's level and did sort of collision detection algorithms for computer games. Because I just loved computer games when I was a kid. So I was like, right, I'm going to do computer games. So I went to uni to learn about that. But the first job I got out of uni wasn't computer games. It was special effects software. So I was doing like film special effects and editing software from the age of like 22 to, I don't know now, 26. Like, you know, maybe longer than that. It's difficult. It was like six or seven years. Um, and that was quite interesting because like you have to be a good software developer to do uh, special effects and be really good at maths. And um, it kind of did overlap with um, games as well because of the graphic side of things. And my first um, project for that company was to build an After Effects plugin, which was to do lightning bolts for films. So my first ever kind of app that I released was a plugin for After Effects to do lightning bolts, which is Kind of uh, ironic considering I'm doing like Lightning Network stuff now. Yes. And um, I did that for, yeah, like I said, six years. And um, then the App Store came out in 20, two, 2008, I think it was. And lots of people were making tons of money doing apps, just being like early adopters. Like you'd see in the news, this person made an app, which is a, a beer app. And uh, they made like £100,000 in in one month. And I was like, whoa, I've got to do something like that. So because I already knew how to do lightning bolts, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make an app that you can touch the screen and do lightning bolts because I already know how to do that. So I did that. I made that in um, 2009. I think I made one. 
it was it was called Vault, and it went to the uh, number uh, two in the paid chart in the US in the App Store, and it meant that I could like quit my job because I didn't make millions and millions or anything, but I made enough where I had enough money to like try have two years of just doing something else, like a bit of a buffer. So I kind of piggybacked on the back of this success of this lightning app. And um, so I did the lightning plugin, <laughs> then I did the lightning app. And then um, I made another app in 2013. I did a few games and a few special effects apps that weren't as successful as the lightning bolt app. Um, so I made another game with a lightning bolts in it, which was um, you could electrocute a voodoo doll with lightning bolts. And then that went to number one in the free chart in America. <laughs> So I was like, okay, this lightning theme is a pretty uh, good career path for me. So um, yeah, I continue with that business. That's the other games company I've got. Um, we've done some simple like wallpaper apps and anything that was kind of trendy, we kind of tried to make a version of it. Uh, and then, yeah, so then that kind of brings me to, I just was continuing with that. I did some other property development because we're getting old and long in the tooth and wanted to do something mature <laughs> and then um yeah basically pivoted to lightning network gaming lightning network apps so i'm hoping my fourth attempt at a lightning app is going to be a- another success <laughs> mate that's amazing i wonder if anyone's listening is thinking i remember that that would you say it was vault vault, vault app yeah so the vault so was how the- did it work <laughs> You basically, it's still on the App Store if you want to download it. It looks terrible now, but at the time it looked amazing because people were just so impressed with anything on an iPhone because it was just amazing to be able to pinch and zoom onto a photograph. Um, and the app basically had a trick mode in it where you could take, you could put your home screen on the app. And so when someone touched your phone, it like did electric lightning bolts from your fingers. So it looked like, like it was kind of like a security lock screen app as well. Um, and there was people who did, um, when I met people like in a pub or through a mutual friend and they asked me what I did and I said, oh, I made an app called Vault, Lightning Bolt One. And they'd be like, oh my God, yeah, I played that, I played that one. <laughs> so where it did give me a little tiny taste of fame because <laughs> people would play that. How, how do I find it? I've, I'm on the app store right now. I, I've got Vault 3D Light. Un- yeah, that's no, it. Vault 3D, Vault 3D Light. Yeah, yeah, Vault 3D Lightning. Unleashed from... What's the name of your company there? Oh, FireZoo. FireZoo, yeah. Mate, look at this. This is ace. Old school stuff. Yeah. The other yeah, one, I've the never other... seen this before. Yeah, it was really... Go ahead. Was... I was just going to say, the other one was called Smash Dude. And that one did get me quite a bit of fame in, um, at the time because it was number one in the free chart, which obviously means you're getting like hundreds of thousands of downloads a day. Smash Dude, stress relief... Right. Is that one, yeah? Yes, I think so. I can't remember exactly. Fire Zoo, yep. I found it, yeah. Yeah, kids like that. Your kids were like that one, but to be honest, I think it's quite violent. (laughs) I wouldn't let your kids play it. They were too young. I think I said (laughs) it it at 12. (laughs) But um, yeah, because I mean, yeah, I couldn't set it to 18. It wouldn't let me because it didn't have have the, the, you know, Apple said 12 was all right. So (laughs) that's what it's at. Mate, this is awesome. So, provider FireZoo. Um, how many apps do you have on the uh, the the app store under FireZoo? Um, I think there is three or four at the moment. I did have a few more, but I took them down 
because when they become sort of abandoned where you don't, it's like too much effort to do the customer support and they don't really make any money and they're getting old. So I've kept the ones that were like the famous ones. Um, You've got center dude, which is yeah, uh, yeah. a bit of a spin off. <laughs> he gets electrocuted as well by the Christmas lights. <laughs> App Fusion, is that you? I'm just yeah, that's one it. as well. Yeah, that's a really old one. Wow, <laughs> wallpaper. Yep, that's another one. Uh, sketch plane. Yep. Sketch Mate, plane. this is ace. Sketch planes was a bit like Flappy Birds. So were you kind of like? <clears throat> Excuse me, one second. <clears throat> um, what was I going to say? It reminds me of the. Rick and Morty uh, episode where it's like, you want an app for that? Yeah. You want an app for that? Were you that guy? <laughs> you yeah, just pretty like... much. <laughs> yeah, making as many different apps as I could. I had one that's not there anymore, which was really cool, which was um, artificial intelligence. And it was a character called Angry Dude. And you would talk to him and he would, he's like a bot. And he would chat to you back and you'd have a proper conversation. And he'd start getting more and more angry with you. And he would eventually try and pick a fight with you and, start swearing at you and stuff it was quite that was quite popular that was like i don't know a top 20 a top 20 app that one but how long does it take you to knock these things up but if you if i take you back when when this was a craze and yeah. everybody had a new app every other second it seemed like and yeah. it was a, it was a gold rush right it was yeah, the gold was. rush to the app store and yeah, like i can't for me mate you know clearly different generations i just was not exposed enough to this kind of stuff and i think it's just pure magic that i can open a phone with my thumb metrics and download an app from you that you released like in 2013 or something at yeah one or two it's like you know this is like how do you even begin to start coding them up and and releasing them um, yeah, so it's, it probably takes about three months to do a, you know, fairly decent app because you, you got to plan it for a month and then implement it for a month and then basically test and release it for a month. And back in, um, 2010 to 2015, there wasn't as many tools to make apps as there are these days. So it was a little bit harder and there was always new SDKs coming out because Apple was changing things quite frequently. So you're always having to do updates to, to be compatible. Um, so it was quite time consuming from that perspective. And yeah, it's basically as simple as coming up with like the, the, the kind of graphics were very important in the, for the app store days. It was like, you needed a good icon. Otherwise your app would never be found. It was like, everyone was just trying to like, you could have the worst app ever. Uh, but if the icon was good, you could get a lot of downloads. What's the what's the worst app do you think that got the biggest kind of traction? Hmm. Probably um, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very good. uh, Yeah. No, there was. I did watch a video recently that one of my Bitcoin gaming colleagues sent me, and it was this company that built a automated system for creating slot machine games and then releasing them on Google Play, and they did it to this level where all they had to do was go onto their dashboard they built on their website, 
type in a word like um, like baseball cap and then press go and it would this their system would create a baseball cap slot machine based on the theme baseball caps it would pull in baseball cap images from the internet and then release it on the on the on the google play store but they were just like it was always the same slot machine with the same stuff which was different images and different names and they had like a thousand slot machines or something of just like weird the weirdest things like polar bear drinking beer slot machine or whatever you know and that those were probably the worst apps because they just were deliberately spammy any there's a lot of um copying as well on the app store which is there i always don't like that as well because they're never quite as good as the original and i remember speaking to i met a guy once and he was working on uh like yeah, like you mentioned, like casino apps or or something along those lines, some kind of gaming app. Um, and he said like the level of detail that the company that he worked for had gone into of like psychologically addicting people to just keep pressing a button. Mm-hmm. Like this, it was unbelievable the stuff he was telling me. And I always, I mean, I said to him at the time, I'm like, if we can do that to people to just keep them, you know, trying to chase that little carrot at the end of the stick, just for the, at the end of the day, the gain of the, the app maker, surely we can do that to, especially kids who are picking these things up for educational purposes, like for spelling or for basic math and get them addicted to learning rather than addicted to being spammed. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I see that that's kind of what you're trying to do with, with your game, the, the you know, watching my son play it today, well, he already wants to play it again, but there is a real reward to it. And that real reward will open up this huge rabbit hole of education that is waiting for people when they start to interact with Bitcoin. Yeah. You can't stop that. Once people, once people have just peeked into the rabbit hole, yeah, it's a one-way trip, the rabbit hole. And it's <laughs> really like tilted downwards, it's just downhill. It's, <laughs> it's slippery it's, as well. Yeah, there's, it's like Shah 256. There's, there's no going back, right? It, you yeah. know, it, it's a one-way deal. And it's irreversible. You, you can't... You might cling on to a few branches along the way and just like, you know, dwell on one or two topics and go even further into that. But ultimately, it's just going to lead you further in. Mm-hmm. and this is this is what i like uh, and that must feel good for you that that must is this the first time that um you've kind of um felt that yeah that, that pull behind your work yeah this is the first time i've worked on a project where it wasn't just about making something entertaining to have to earn money it's more like i mean i've done projects where i made tools to earn money and that was quite satisfying for the, the, especially the special effects software I did back in my early career. And then for the, for the Bitcoin stuff is very satisfying to make something where people are learning about Bitcoin, something I've been passionate about for a long time. And it's just great to help like get people like be the person I want to be the person everyone thinks like, Oh, Thunder games. That's where I first got my first Bitcoin. (laughs) Imagine that. That's, I think that's a cool um, thing to think about. And that's one of the things I want to try and achieve is to be the, everyone's like first place. That, they, not, it won't be everyone, but like uh, I want to be in like 10 years. Someone says, 
to me, oh, I, I got my first Bitcoin from your game or something. That'd be, if one person says that to me, it would be amazing. And now compare that with your first your first success, like the, the lightning vault thing that I've just downloaded. Yeah, it's cool. Like you can talk about that and you meet people in a pub. Yeah, I remember that. I'm sure you get a nice feeling, but like you play this out 10 years down the line and you meet someone, you're face to face with them. And I got my first Bitcoin. I learned it from playing um, your games, Thunder games. Mm-hmm. And that has shaped my life. That's yeah, something entirely that'd be amazing. different. I do it's get it. A lot of people say, oh, my children played your games and they're collecting Bitcoin because of your games. And that's good. Like, and that's now, like people are letting their children play the games to get some Bitcoin for their pocket money. I don't know what their rules are about letting the children play their games, but they, that's a good feeling that um, the games that I've made are given, like, uh, helping adoption with the next generation because that's, the generation like the under 20 and under 15s basically are going to live with Bitcoin their whole like life essentially. And they're going to be, it's going to be normal for them. So it just feels good to be that part of that rather than trying to convince everyone that Bitcoin's amazing. It's going to be the future, which is what all the, everyone concentrates on, on Twitter, trying to convince like all these 50 year old guys that Bitcoin is the best thing ever. No, you need to be convincing these, like teaching these impressionable young children that Bitcoin is the way and they don't need to worry about anything else. And then um, hopefully then Bitcoin adoption will just become nat- like naturally happen in a big wave. And this, this is something else as well that's going on that I like to, to talk about, the, um, how Bitcoin's incentive structure um, kind of guides you. So if, if for example... We were just talking now and uh, one of your games had become a hit and it was a fiat hit. The first thing you'd be doing is trying to market it as heavily as possible and you'd be trying to just spam as many ads as you can because you know you might have, my God, it might be disappeared in two months or you might have two years. You have no idea. But it incentivizes spammy behavior, right? And I'm sure you've seen it and experienced it many, many times in your career. Whereas with Bitcoin, you know, this this incentive that you've had, well, you just talked about your incentives. Your incentives are to educate as many people as possible. It, it's, it flips everything on its head. And I really don't understand. It's, I hope people understand when we start talking about this, if, if new people are listening and they're like, what are these guys going on about? But how does that make you feel when, when, you know, something's obviously driving you to keep building this thing and you're giving away free money essentially to people? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that compare to like fiat apps that you've, you've made in the past? Um, yeah, so you're right with the fiat apps. It's all about, um, it's a different different approach as well because the fiat apps would be like how you suggested where if you get a hit or something that's marketable you need to spend as much money as you can on ads and convince everyone to like download your game or product whereas like with the the bitcoin side of things um you kind of get a you get you get a free marketing basically because everyone wants to discover we're in that phase of the market on the overall adoption where it's kind of all still being discovered by everyone. So you do get that um, for free, like that user acquisition um, that you would normally spend loads of money on. 
So that side of it's quite interesting because you basically have a ready-made fan base. If you're, if you're all in on Bitcoin, your company's all in on it, everyone's going to be all in on you, uh, the Bitcoin community. And that's what I found with Thunder Games. Because um, there's some things in Thunder Games I could do to make my life easier, like integrating with Coinbase or something. But if I did that, you know, then it starts by start becoming, uh, you know, not, not all in on Bitcoin anymore, so to speak, and we'll start becoming a bit diversified. So I don't do anything like that because that's not what the community, like the base of the whole community would, is desiring. Um, and then, so basically, if you look after your community, they look after you. And that's what Bitcoin is really, is a community of people. So it's different. You can't just advertise loads and loads your game, even if it's a Bitcoin game, even if it's successful, because this is, it's still a small community. So you can't approach things the same way as you would with a, a fiat game. So you kind of have to build grassroots connections and grassroots fans because um, it's the start of something different. It's not just games this applies to. It's all projects like Swan Bitcoin has a similar approach, I think, with their dollar cost averaging product. Um, they they reach out to a lot of people on Clubhouse and that kind of so, all social media to teach people about Bitcoin and build like a big community around them. And that's a, that's a good example. And Fold is a similar example that does that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure, mate. So I'm I'm now trying to like um, think of you. What what we, that there's there's something they got there's got to be something in in the past that you know drew you to Bitcoin. And I'm wondering, you know, what were your favorite games playing up? What when, when growing up? What what do you find yourself playing the most? And I, I also think there's probably. How much time was wasted at university just fucking around on computer games with your friends or were yeah. you nose to the grind stuff? Yeah, my favorite games growing up was, I used to just play Mario Kart all the time, just like right. doing the laps, trying to get the best top speed on the laps over and over and over again and finding the best line, <laughs> trying to find the best racing line in Mario Kart on the SNES. Um, and... Yeah, university, I was a terrible student. <laughs> I was one of those people who didn't go to lectures because they were hungover and would just read the book, you know. I'm, I'm of the impression that university was a waste of time for me, apart from the friends I made and the experiences I had. Um, it was really just about having a massive party. We are making loads of friends and socialising. But yeah, university, I was, I, I did really well. I got first degree, like first class and the masters but it was just because i read the book you know i was hung over i was like i missed the lecture this morning i'll just have to read the book and the book is better than the lecture <laughs> it's a university is just a way to measure how much of the book people have read <laughs> right so what led you into the, the rabbit hole what what brought you to, um, to appear in there yeah honestly i i imagine i can't remember exactly because it was about 2012 2013 um, and I think it was just because Bitcoin price was high and I saw it in the news. And because I was doing Bitcoin game, uh, not Bitcoin games, I was doing traditional gaming, which had virtual currencies and people were comparing Bitcoin to a virtual currency. I was like, okay, I'll just download it and see what the hell they're talking about. So I just downloaded the Bitcoin core and got some Bitcoin. And then I just, I think... People were saying, wow, Bitcoin can be worth $100,000 one day. 
And I was like, really? Okay. It's re- I was like, this is so hard to use. It kind of, it's got to improve a lot for <laughs> to people to use this because like just copying and pasting a um, public key, I was terrified. I was sending the Bitcoin to the wrong place. And it's not a good user experience if you're kind of second guessing your, how to yourself when you're sending money. Um, so yeah, I wasn't um, totally impressed with it, but the kind of FOMO of like, oh, wow, what if it is worth 100,000? I don't want to miss out. So I did kind of, I bought some, um, I think it was in 2013, I bought some for my friends for Christmas, like 10 pounds worth. And I think that's like a thousand pounds worth a thousand pounds now. I did like a secret Santa where um, everyone had to buy one present and put it in a pot in the middle of a room and or a bag. And everyone took it in turns to pick a present out. And if you were, if you, whoever was first picked a present out and they opened it and everyone could see it. And then whoever was second could decide if they wanted to take the first person's present or open their one. And if they wanted the first person set to swap and then the first person would open the present and it would go around in the circle like that. So the last person, when they got their present, they could look at everyone else's and decide to swap or open the final one. And because I put Bitcoin in and not only not many people knew what it was, but people knew it was something like everyone was trying to swap for the Bitcoin, the whole, the whole uh, Christmas, like secret Santa. So like, I keep, I'm still in touch with the people like who won the 10 pounds and uh, yeah, they kept it in like, you know, I wrote, I did it on a, on a paper wallet, not one of those ones that's been hacked fortunately. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they've still got it. I, I checked to make sure it was still safe for them and they've still got their like point. It's like 0.04 Bitcoins. <laughs> it's crazy. that's amazing yeah so um yeah i was just like basically from 2013 i was just doing stuff like that because i didn't really i was a lot younger then and i didn't really know how to do business out of bitcoin and my my other i was making lots of money doing apps to be perfectly honest with you so i was like i'm just going to continue just doing that rather than um uh get too deep into bitcoin because i didn't really understand about money and how that worked then I didn't, I only looked at Bitcoin from like usability and like just send like how it worked. I didn't know how money worked. So you were more kind of drawn towards like the network. Yeah, just the tech. It was just, it was the tech and the the FOMO of like, well, what is this? Why is everyone talking about this? Is why I kind of got into it. I did do some mining as well because everyone's like, wow, the best way to like everyone kind of looks into mining, don't they? And I got a little tiny um, butterfly labs, jalapeno eight gigahertz miner <laughs> how did that go i mined like i don't know i would use slush pool i think and i i had some money like i literally mined for maybe a month and it was like i didn't make any profit because the cost the electricity cost was too high <laughs> and uh, i literally left all of my the bitcoin i mined i left on the slush pool website for like four years <laughs> And then when Bitcoin went crazy again, I was like, oh, wait, let me find all these places. I've got all this Bitcoin. And um, yeah, I still had some on there and it was still there. So that's a good, I can't remember the full name of it, but it was the slush pool. Oh, Bitcoin crap. Was still there. I was like, and wow. you managed to get it off. Yeah, it was just, you know, cash it out. So I was like, great. This point one Bitcoin or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really, I did some mining, but not, um, not a lot. Just like, I basically just tried everything. And it's the same with lightning. Um, I kind of got into it again because um, after the bull market of 2017, I was like, oh, I need to really figure out what the hell's going on here. Because I did have some hold, I bought some Bitcoin to just hold. 
2013, 2014. And when it went crazy again, I was like, I really need to understand why, because maybe I need to invest more in this uh, project. Maybe I need to like be a bit more hardcore. So then I looked into Lightning um, in 2018, 2019. And there was a difference this time. It wasn't like when I did the mining or just trying Bitcoin, I was like, I could actually see, oh, this has got a use case that I can use for a business. So that's why I've actually gone all in on it because um, I was, could tell I was like, well, at the start of it, start of the Lightning Network adoption. And also I could envision how to use it in the real world. Whereas every time I dabbled in Bitcoin before, I was like, it just wasn't the right thing for my personality or skill set. I didn't have the, at the start, I didn't have the skill set to understand the monetary theory. And then I didn't have the business acumen to be like a miner and figure out how to, you know, do mining properly. And then eventually it was like the right product for the, my skill set came along, which is micro payments that could be applied to products like games. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, that actually, it's one thing I wouldn't mind asking you to kind of round out a little bit further, actually, because that I think all podcasts are drawing a lot of new people into the space right now because they're just hungry for information and education on this thing. So for those people that are listening and might be thinking, what the hell are they talking about lightning? Because, you know, I thought Bitcoin and why, what, what is this about a network now? And I thought Bitcoin was money. So it's all very, very confusing. Mm -hmm. So if we, if you wouldn't mind just trying to explain to people as, as best you can, in in your eyes, what what is the Lightning Network and and how does it function alongside the the Bitcoin Network? Um, the Lightning Network is to me a really smart way to use Bitcoin if you've got the time and energy to learn how to use it. It's like the smartest way to use Bitcoin because you can send payments super cheap. Like in Thunder Games, my average fee is. 0.6 satoshis and i've sent 300,000 odd transactions this past year of an average fee of 0.6 so like that's the total fee which is crazy and also it's a smart way to use bitcoin because the settlement is instant you don't have to wait for six confirmations or three or however many you want to wait for it's, and it's but sorry it's not instant it takes like six ten seconds for the transaction to be final so it's a really good way to use Bitcoin. And it is kind of tricky to learn the basics, but you get you have to put some effort in to get the benefits of this system at an early stage until it's slightly more encapsulated by all these products and services. And the Lightning Network is essentially a community of people who know how to use Bitcoin in this this, this way and connect to each other and then can send payments to each other through each other in a, um, a way where you don't have to be connected to the person you want to send the payment as long as they're connected through you via the network somehow through all the nodes, you can send them money. So that's kind of the how I see it. Um, it is very technical if you want to set it up yourself. If you want to do a non-custodial solution for the Lightning Network for yourself, you kind of have to learn some technical things. But you can just use the Lightning Network in a custodial manner and interact with other Lightning Network services. So you can use wallets like Wallet of Satoshi, Zebedee, uh, Blue Wallet. They are custodial Lightning Network wallets. 
And that's a great way to just get started. So you could download Wallet of Satoshi, play one of uh, my games and cash out some Bitcoin. And that's a non-custodial transaction because I'm not part of Wallet Satoshi. I'm sending it to your Wallet of Satoshi custodial wallet. So that's you are technically using the Lightning Network and getting the advantages of the instant settlement and the, the cheap fees for that transaction. And then once you um, move, once you learn how the Bitcoin uh, Lightning Network works, you can then move on to a non-custodial setup, like have a node in your house with your Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. And all that means is uh, to put your Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, it just means locking up some Bitcoin in a uh, payment channel with another person. And then that, as long as that person's connected other, to other people, you're then on the, the network of uh, people who are on the Lightning Network. Right. And, and people can use your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your channel, but also your liquidity, right? So if you've staked something, some, some Bitcoin, X amount of Satoshis onto your node and connected with a few peers, then you are part of the network. And then you've added to the liquidity of that, of that network. And these Satoshis go back and forth. And every time Satoshis pass through your channel, through your node, you are taking some of those tiny, tiny amounts of fees. Yeah, so you can, so yeah, if you're a participant on the network, you are uh, creating channels with other participants and that you're adding the liquidity to the, that, the network so people can send payments through you. And if you want, you can charge a fee for that payment being sent through your node. Um, and when I mean sent through your node, it's, someone sends you money and then you send the money on through the, another channel. So um, you, you can technically, you, you're, you're, it's in your, you're within your rights to charge a fee because you are running a node which does cost electricity and time to maintain all of your channels. But I personally don't charge any fees. I'm just like, oh, do you know what? You can root for me for free. Um, and I don't know if there are many, I think, I'm sure there are other people who do it for free because... I don't see the point charging this once, once the lightning network is one of those things where it's really kind of, it looks hard to learn, but once you learn it, the, it takes like a couple of months to really get master it. Then you feel kind of naughty charging people for fees. Cause it's like so easy once you've got the knowledge. So I can't imagine there being lots of fees on the lightning network in the future. Cause there'll probably be more people like me who just do it for free. <laughs> So you don't see uh, there. There are some people out there talking talking about like the the model that I just mentioned, and perhaps staking a large amount of liquidity. Uh, say say you put a coin or a couple of coins or like five coins in as liquidity. Um, that that's a hell of a lot, but for some people that that might just be a little bit of their stack. Um, well, I think the people put in liquidity in, and they, if they want to run a proper node. Like, so if someone wants to try and route through my node, pay, make a payment through my node, I'm giving it for free. That also means I'm not putting a lot of effort into making sure the reliability of my connections is good because um, I'm just literally doing it for free. So if someone wants to charge a fee, then they're probably likely going to be a good routing node, i.e. they're going to have a lot of connections and larger channels. Because say, for example, if you try to route through my node, um, my channels are normally only a million Satoshis or something. And if you want to send 2 million, you can't root through me. So 
the people who yeah. are putting more liquidity um, can route more payments and larger payments, and they can char- they can certainly charge a fee um, to for that for people to have the reliability of larger payments. It's a whole different rabbit hole. Uh, and how do yeah. you how do you how do you kind of advise people that are looking to start learning more about it? What what's the best way? Do you think? Well, download a game from Thunder Games. <laughs> you don't miss a beat. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so yeah. So my advice is to do download. Try some sat stacking services. So mm-hmm. the games um, companies are my company, Thunder Games, um, Zebedee. Uh, Bitcoin Bounty Hunt is another game and Light Knight is another game. They're the most famous companies. Then there's Fold who do um, like a cashback credit card. So you can earn sats back on a credit card and uh, Lolly. So find some of these sat stacking websites and download a custodial Lightning wallet. And just, you know, use the services and cash the Bitcoin out to your custodial lightning wallet just to start with, because it's only going to be like a couple of pounds or a couple of dollars worth that you're experimenting with. And then find some services where you can spend it like um, Spark Shot, Spark Shop. That is a website that has artwork on it and you can pay to reveal pixels on the artwork. So everyone can go onto the website and pay a few sats to reveal some pixels and people are basically drawing their own artwork on top of the artwork by revealing specific pixels or writing their name or something. So you can do stuff like that. Um, And so some companies accept Bitcoin for payments uh, for their products. So you could just buy something. Uh, And once you've like just used bitcoin in the way that kind of everyone imagined it would be which is like getting paid in it and spending it on stuff uh, then you can start considering oh i want to do a non-custodial solution to my lightning network setup and what i personally have is uh umbrell.com it might be called getumbrell.com which is a operating system for a bitcoin node and lightning network node and lightning network tools that you can install on a Raspberry Pi. And once you've got that set up, you can connect a non-custodial Bitcoin wallet like Zap to it. And you can do all the same things you were doing before, buying stuff and earning sats, but then in a, in a non-custodial way, topping up your your Lightning Network node and your house, you the one they keep in your house, for example. And you also like... That also installs, Umbro installs a Lightning Network node and a Bitcoin node. So he's also helping the Bitcoin network there. So that's the way I would approach it. And it doesn't take long to get to the, to, to do that. But it's one of those things, it's like a weekend bit of fun, isn't it? So although it'll probably only take you two or three days to try and like actually do that in real life, it'll probably take you a couple of months of yeah. tinkering before you finally set it all up. Um, it's it's like when you start playing around with the um, the hardware wallets, right? It's uh, whenever I get a new one of those, um, it's like right, close the door, crack yeah. a beer, turn off turn off all the other distractions, concentrate on the beer and setting this thing up, and like you know, understanding the the different nuances of it, um, and setting the node up was. You're right. It should take it should take a matter of hours, but it 
it just gets drawn out because did you, of, what did you set your node up with something like umbrella or or did you set it up manually uh so i built a raspberry pi and yeah. then had it uh i spun up uh my node originally yeah. but just recently the the upgrades uh, sorry, guys, at my note, the, the upgrades just kept um, screwing me up and I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't figure it out. So then I've switched across to um, get Umbrella. Mm-hmm. And um, now playing around with that user interface and, uh, you know, it's it's like starting all over again. And I know for those people that are listening are thinking, oh my God, this sounds too daunting. Uh, it, it is and it isn't. And the... And many people will be like, oh, well, I'm not at the point of setting up a node. And that's fine, too. You know, don't, don't feel pressured or, or too worried about doing that. But by knowing that the node is there and I've just that small action on my part has decentralized the network, just that tiny little bit more was my driver. Mm-hmm. Now I've got to take it to the next level and install the lightning app and start doing all of this and connect it to my mobile wallets. And so that's a bit daunting, but up for the charge, you know, let's yeah. go. Uh, and then multi-sigging through it. And Christ, right? yeah. I'm talking myself out of it now, but it's, <laughs> there's a lot, but it's, it's, it's so self-fulfilling that it's once you, the motivation is there. It's the action that's key, right? It's action that breeds motivation, not the other way around. Yeah. So as soon as you start acting and ordering the parts, they're going to turn up and that forces you to turn the flywheel and then do the next thing. It's super, it, is, it is a lot easier than you think as well to to, to do it with um, the Umbrel product as well. That's like the parts you need to build the Raspberry Pi. There's like five or six things you just plug together and then you just plug in like a USB cable. You know, it's not like, <laughs> not like programming easy. a microchip or something. Um, <laughs> it's a lot simpler than you think. I think you have to do like two screws to screw the lid on, you know, that was it. And um, the Umbrella website's got the instructions on how to do it, I think. So I would, the cool thing about having your own node as well is broadcasting your, your, your transactions yourself. Because like, really, if you're not doing that, someone could t- effectively stop you sending Bitcoin because they could just not broadcast your transactions from your IP address or whatever, you know? So you want to have your own node so that you know your transactions get broadcast and also that they're not getting, like for privacy reasons, they're not getting the, you know, captured of what you're doing. Yeah. Right, mate. How has Bitcoin changed you? Um. I know a lot more about how money works now because I don't think without Bitcoin, I wouldn't have bothered learning about credit or uh, literally how the central banks worked and how much of everything is like a scam in basically kicking the can down the road politics. Um, so it's changed me a lot in that respect, just literally knowing how money works. And also it makes self-sovereignty kind of addictive. Like I kind of then, you know, always want to, be sovereign. I don't, cause I, I was always beholden to the app stores, accepting my games and things. Now I've got this, like, I don't want to be on there cause I, they could just take me down at any point kind of feeling. So I'm always feeling like I need to make sure like I'm standing on my own two feet. So it, it's pretty cool that kind of feeling, but it's also scary taking responsibility. 
Yeah, it is. And when you started first learning about money, what, what were the resources that you were turning to and what kind of feelings and emotions did that stir? Um, yeah, so when I first started learning about money, it was because I had made some money from the FireZoo company. And I was like, I can't just, I need to invest this. I don't know what. So speaking to a financial advisor and they tell you about the markets and everything. And right. then, uh, so it's like, well, like he wanted to charge me like 1% of my money. And I was like, well, that's like, that's like thousands and thousands of pounds a year. And then compounded each year is basically costing me like 20 grand over 20 years or something like, cause it compounds that loss of that, that fee. So I was like, I'm just going to get a few books and just see like if I need, even need this advice. So I just read some books. And I was like, Oh, I can do this myself. And then because I read books more deeply than just having like the half an hour conversation with financial advisors, it gives you loads more threads to pull on. <laughs> and uh, I eventually started questioning about like, well, where does money come from and how does it work? And I found a call in the UK, there's a charity called positivemoney.org and they've got some good resources about how money is printed in specifically in the UK, but it, I think it does apply to um, everywhere else is the same model. And that's a great, that's got some great explainers that I actually send to people when I'm trying to explain Bitcoin. I say, don't worry about Bitcoin, just watch these videos and see if you're happy with how the money works. <laughs> and then I'll tell you how Bitcoin is different because you can't really understand why Bitcoin is good until you understand why the original monetary system is bad. Or and broken. And broken, yeah. And kind of like untrackable untra of like how much money there is. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, you can't even um, control it because it's kind of like gets inflated from the inside of the central bank. And then that turns in collateral for all these other banks to create credit. And they kind of, there's not really a fixed amount they keep as collateral for the credit they're making. And no one's keeping track of how much credit that, you know, really that it exists. Like no one knows because <laughs> it no. changes daily, doesn't it as well? As um, I remember that chapter in uh, Gigi's book, uh, The Gigi 21 Lessons. And I think the, the title of that chapter is Fractional Reserve Madness. Yeah. And how, to put it bluntly, fucked off he got when, when he started learning about that. And just what an absolute hall of mirrors that the whole system is. Mm. Um, but it's funny that you you went and saw a financial advisor for 30 minutes and then went and bought the book. That's that's exactly the same thing you were doing at university. Yeah, right? yeah. You weren't yeah. listening to a flapping head. You were doing your own research. Yeah. I think, yeah, I kind of like, yeah, it makes me sound good because I'm like, oh, I'll do my own research. But also it's partially because I thought, I think I can do a better job than you. <laughs> um, so a bit of a big head, maybe. But um, I'll take the compliment that I'm a studious person. <laughs> um, but no, I did. Well, think I want any, I want anybody younger listening to this, like if they're stuck at university, just because a couple of shows ago, by the time this one dropped, I had a 21 year old kid on that, uh, you know, and his passion for this was just so incredible. Alessandro Valentino, go and listen to it, and you'll spend the whole hour smiling ear to ear because here's a kid that's figured out he can do a better job than his professors. And he's learning economics at a very, very high degree. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is all bullshit. Yeah. And you guys aren't, you, you're not even questioning this. Like he's looking around his classmates. No one's questioning this. Yeah. And this is such a critical skill. 
that we don't have. In fact, school knocks it out of you. And I know you, the listeners are like, oh, here goes Princey again on a <laughs> uh, anti-education system rant. But it does. It knocks that out of us. Yeah. It doesn't want us to question the textbook. It doesn't want us to question the lecturer. It's just force feed us what they want us yeah, to know. Yeah, it's like the carrot at the end of the stick is like you need the degree or the A-level results or qualifications to get the job you want. And what how it actually works is everyone just tries to get the degree level they need as easy as they can. So people don't really learn. They just learn how to take the tests. That's all I did at university. I didn't go to the lectures. I did the read the books and then read all the past papers, the past examinations. And they don't really change them that much because they're too lazy. <laughs> Some of the questions I had were the same. <laughs> and um, Unbelievable. so I, I got like a first class degree because I basically <laughs> was good at, I researched the exams and knew like, I didn't know I was going to be on it. I still did lots of revision, but if I hadn't researched the past exams, I wouldn't have got as good a mark because some of the questions, like I said, were I'd already done it a few days before. <laughs> Unreal, mate. Unreal. And, and that teach, lifts... Does it say the teachers the week before exams at school and university, when they find out what's on the exams, they suddenly go, right, this everyone, we're going to do a revision of this subject. And like they kind of, you know, they, they know exactly what to revise, don't they? Because they know what's coming up and refresh the student's memory. So it's all kind of people don't really learning. They're just, you know, no one can, that's one skill I never learned was how to learn at school. Nope. Absolutely. Well, I, I really not. learned that until I was like 24, 25. How to, what, how to learn? Yeah, yeah, how to learn. Everything I just kind of absorbed or like learn how to hack, how to hack my way to the result I needed. But then when you learn how to learn, it compounds like money. Mm -hmm. And how do you learn? Um, well, I read books, obviously, and um, basically just try and implement what i've learned as well like practically i guess it's different for different people how they like to learn but i like to like when i learned the lightning network just try and read how people have done it and pitfalls that people have done and try and follow in other people's footsteps who have achieved the thing i'm trying to to, to learn about uh, almost like having a virtual mentor i guess that doesn't really give you any feedback but um I think that's the best way to learn. Um, but at school, you were just kind of, you just had to memorize. You didn't have to learn. That's all you were doing yeah. was memorizing. Um, so, I mean, computer science was different at school because you couldn't just memorize that. You had to actually build stuff. So the best way to learn is just to get your hands dirty, I think. <laughs> yeah. Give it a go, fail, reassess. What do you, what's your opinion on the best way to learn? Uh, you know, it's completely individual. Uh, for me, I discovered um, that audio was a brilliant way for me to learn, uh, hence diving headfirst into a podcast because it's like, well, if I'm learning so much from, from podcasts, surely the, the way to up that game is to be front and center of it and, and host it and you know face your fears and just start recording conversations and put it out 
um, which you'd never do that at school, right? You 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 encouraged to shut the fuck up and sit yeah. down. Right? So, yeah. So how could you if if you learn that way through conversation and and interaction, which is how I built my career. I built my yeah. career in 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 my in my business in when I was working in financial markets in, in foreign exchange. I built my career through meeting people and listening to them and connecting with them and building relationships with them and learning from them, you know, mm-hmm. um, being mentored for, for want of a better word and, and always being open to, to listen intently to what they're saying and, and then try and take away the points you do agree with and then disagree with. And more importantly, the points you disagree with why, you know, why do I disagree with that? And why mm-hmm. does he feel so, or she feel so ardently for that? So that's definitely the way I like to learn. Reading, I think, is um, another thing that really I stumbled upon because, again, disincentivized to read at school. Because, I mean, who really, when you're 12, wants to read Death of a Salesman or of Mice and Men? Or, you know, the, yeah. the, these these books that, I don't know why we were... As like English kids, why were we given those books to read? These were American books. I, I don't understand. And we yeah. were too young to even make a connection to it. It was just it's probably like weird. half trying to keep everyone under control as well, like slightly boring stuff to ma- manage the classroom. There's probably some element of science to what you teach is to keep everyone under control. Most of us, I would say, would, and I'm speaking for the UK. I would say most of us, and I got two brothers that were the same. Uh, you, you leave school and you don't ever want to look at a book again. You don't. You don't yeah. want to pick up a book. You have this fear of books. Books to you are textbooks, and they're boring, and they take away your leisure time, uh, because all you want to do is ride your bike, play football, um, or whatever sport you're into. As as a young man in your teenage years, you've got that energy to burn, but instead, you're cooped up forced to sit down forced to be quiet and forced to read shit you're not interested in yeah and it won't stick in your brain if you don't like if you're not interested in it there's no incentive for you to learn it and it's some people have um, more higher willpower than others as well so some people will persevere and kind of learn it and then other people have just it's just like no i'm not learning this (laughs) no matter how much i read it it's just like i'm reading the words but they're not going in Mm mm-hmm but yeah, you give me a Bitcoin book and man, I can't put the thing down. It's like, you know, it yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. It, it fires me up. Good. Yeah. The Bitcoin books is good because they're written by people who are slightly, um, have a bit more personality, don't they? It's almost like they write in the book and they're like, this could be my only book I ever write. So I'm going to go out guns blazing on this book, you know, and it's always really interesting and entertaining as well as informative. You got a book in yet? Have I got a book in me? No, no, yeah. I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. I've never, I've never thought about writing a book, and um, I don't think I ever will because I did. So when I did my master's degree, I had to write a dissertation or a thesis, and that was, you know, like fifty thousand words or something. I was like, what the never, hell? I can't. Well, hold on, it might not have been that much. Maybe based on the direction, maybe it wasn't that much. Maybe it was ten thousand. Then I don't know. It was tens of thousands. I know that for sure. It was, it was a big old fat book as well. And after that, I was like, oh, I can't. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. too much. Maybe when you're older, 
like in your 60s, you've got really interesting, you've got something you want to just get off your chest and write about. Right. And think about that, right? What's the, like you've written, let's say for sake of argument, 15, 20,000 words on a scientific computer paper and the white paper was eight pages long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are we teaching? Like it's just. Yeah. And I had to basically like my whole, when you write a thesis, like I imagine it's the same when you're a PhD as well, but like a third of the book is um, assessing past work. And like showing you've, you know, you've uh, like applied this past knowledge to this new thing and how the old things aren't going to work and this new thing will. And just like it was a waste of time. I waste so much time writing that stupid thing. <laughs> it's a good achievement though, even though like, I mean, I did it, you know, so I feel like a good achievement. I've never read it again. And I'm sh- it's in a library somewhere. I'm sure no one else has ever read it. Um, it probably wasn't that good either, but I don't, that's after writing that, I was like, oh man, I, I didn't enjoy it. If I enjoyed it, despite it being some a bad topic, then maybe I'd have like, some people just must enjoy writing, like journalists, almost doesn't matter their subject. They <laughs> enjoy writing. <laughs> They're hacks. Don't, <laughs> don't get me started on journalists right now. Complete okay. hacks. Okay. Total hacks. The amount of Bitcoin FUD that's coming out. Um, yeah, that's really bad recently. Just... I, I can imagine the st- the Monday morning stand up, like right. The, you know, you've got the editor. Anybody know anything about Bitcoin? Yeah, no, no one. complete crickets. Right, total silence. And he'll just point at someone and say, "Right, you, you go and write an article about Bitcoin. Uh, pick a title out of the top drawer. I want it on my desk tomorrow morning." That's about the level of journalism going on in in our space right now, and it's just frightening. It's that thing as well, like if you read the Bitcoin journalism and you think, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever read. You can't then accept anything else from that newspaper because they're going to be equally bad at all subjects. Mm -hmm. Precisely. So it's like everything's bad. (laughs) Mate, I've got to ask you the question of questions. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? Oh, it's a great question. Um. Hmm. Who would I give it to? I would give it to I don't know. Oh man. I feel like I want to give it to someone I'm not famous, like a family like who I just want to like learn about Bitcoin and then they can become wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. <laughs> If I, if I was to give it to a famous person, I think I'd give it to Elon Musk because I don't think he even cares about Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency. He's just on Twitter. He's just doing it for the banter, isn't he? He's just doing it for a laugh. I don't think he understands anything. Just someone someone um, beneath him is in charge of Bitcoin stuff. And he's like, yeah, I trust you. So go for it, you know? And then he's just having a bit of a joke with Dogecoin. And so it'd be good to give it to him so that he actually takes it seriously but i don't know if he needs to go on the bitcoin journey like everyone else does where you start with shit coins and then you do trading and then you lose loads of money it takes like five years before you really get it the hero's journey yeah the hero's yeah. journey so yeah i prefer your family member answer, yeah i think, I think okay yeah. i'll stick with that yes I, I won't say who but one of my family members who i want them to be wealthy i'll give them them the pill 
so they don't so they don't get worried anymore about bitcoin they just go all in on it excellent well jack it's been great having you on the show mate i've really uh, enjoyed getting to know you and uh, look forward to my son getting addicted to your your thunder games whatever you release yeah. next and um big thanks on behalf of the community for you know taking this challenge of trying to educate that that younger generation that's um hats off man that's really cool cheers i appreciate that i'm looking forward to um getting more people involved in bitcoin through gaming and uh it's exciting times at the moment with the adoption so where can people find you mate where should they come and hang out and uh, and chat with you and, and find your find your games Yep. So um, I've got lots of, I've got on all the social medias and basically I'm, I'm in the chat rooms all the time. So if you want to talk to me in real time, you can talk to me on my telegram group, which is t.me forward slash thunder games, T H N D R games. Um, and that's basically where the people who play my games go to chat about the tournaments and just chat to me and give me feedback about the games. And we do talk about Bitcoin topics sometimes as well. Uh, I've got a discord group as well which um, the link to that is on my Twitter and the Twitter is Thunder Games, T-H-N-D-A-R Games. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, it's Jack Everett. Um, and my website is thunder.games, T-H-N-D-R.games. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm literally pride myself on customer support. So I try to literally reply to anyone who messages me. I'm try and reply instantly. <laughs> Mate, you must never leave that chair. It is getting a bit attached to my body, this chair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, at least you're in lockdown. You've got nowhere else to go. It's not like every, all the lads are down the pub talking no, about... No, no, yeah. Talking about how shit you were at Mario I, Kart back I in the day. I think once the lo lockdown's <laughs> over, my productivity is going to drastically drop off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, although um, Guinness shares might go up randomly yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right jack take it easy mate thanks so much for coming on the show cool cheers for having me hey guys hope you enjoyed that one with jack from thunder games go and follow him check out the games enjoy playing them join the fun and try and win yourself some sats and, and share the games with your friends because this is exactly as jack said at the beginning of the show when he was talking to lauren and samuel this is how a brilliant way to, to help people start learning about Bitcoin and Lightning, right? That's another deep rabbit hole that many of us are still even trying to understand or navigate. And Jack's ahead of the game, excuse the pun, with, with what he's doing and how he's trying to educate as many people as he can. A big shout out to Scott Sibley. Uh, as I said there, it was him that put us in touch. And Scott is the creator of At Play Shamari, the really cool fun card game which if you keep a close eye on my Twitter thread, I'm dropping free game codes around all the time. So you can go and grab yourself a free pack of cards. People have been loving the game. Scott gets great feedback. So do definitely check it out. Or just go and support Scott and order a pack. Like, you know, it's, it's a brilliant Bitcoin-only game. Uh, I really want to thank Jackie Gang for coming on the show. And before we sign off, you guys know what's coming. It's a little bit of a freestyle shill. No scripts. No scripts needed, ever wanted. I'm going to try and freestyle the companies that 
have seen fit to support the work of this podcast and um, a big shout out and a big thanks to all of them. So let's start with coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. That's a UK Bitcoin only exchange. Hook up your bank account, start auto buying with those guys and start stacking your sets or start increasing your stack. If you're in the US, thank you so much for listening across the pond. Swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. These guys have you covered in a big way. They are completely across the US, every single state. You can start dollar cost averaging. They have the best team of Bitcoiners on their side. Go check them out. It's 100% Bitcoin only maxis and they are awesome. Really brilliant company. Thanks for all you're doing guys across the pond there. In Europe, closer to, to my home, if you're looking to average out of your Swiss francs, we have a Swiss company, Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H, who also take Euro. So anywhere in Europe, if you're holding Euro, you can start fiat cost averaging into Bitcoin and out of your Euros or Swiss. And this is an important aspect of what we're doing here and all of these companies will urge you to do the same once you've started stacking once you get to a certain point you've got to take the next level and take control of these coins and to do that you get yourself a hardware wallet you can use bitbox02 by shift crypto.ch forward slash bitten that will get you a five percent discount this is a bitcoin only hardware wallet so use Bitcoin-only companies to DCA and then use a Bitcoin-only hardware wallet. This way you cut out all the noise. There's no noise from altcoins, shitcoins, NFTs, DeFi, ShmiFi, whatever the fuck fi, just Bitcoin, guys. This is it, right? This is the message. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you are looking for a job in this space, follow the Twitter account at bitcoiner jobs this space is exploding there's a chance some of your skills might be lent into a bitcoin company and you could find yourself working in this space earning some sats which is a very exciting thing to be thinking about especially for the long term you know where this thing's going lastly if you want to check out my book it's called choose life i hope it helps hope it adds some value I appreciate everybody for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, throwing out the uh, the banter on Twitter. It all goes a long way. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Let's go to the moon. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.